Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I will let my children go. Absolutely not if I felt that they weren't safe. Businesses are suffering all over the place. Surely an energy director has to look at these price rises and say, are these justified? You take the kids, we'll take the bags. The kindness in her words, you know, I felt the tears flow. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Call 96FM. Good Good morning, good morning, good morning, and it's Friday, and it feels good, and the, the view from the window once again this morning here in the studio is magnificent. Now, PJ is taking a well-earned break, as you know, if you were listening yesterday, and if you were listening yesterday, the good news is that they kind of liked it enough to bring me back today. So, uh, this is Gareth O'Callaghan with you to kick off the very first February St. Bridget's Bank holiday weekend that we have ever had, which I think brings the total of bank holidays now to 10, or is it 11? I think it's 11 actually so uh, we'll be talking uh, about St. Bridget on and off during the show and also um, if you were listening yesterday, you'll know we had a big, big conversation about religion in schools and phasing out the traditional religious teaching huge reaction to the feature and uh, we'll be coming back to that in a, a little bit and we have a couple of nice light items since it is Friday and if you're heading down to the mobile home wherever it might be for the weekend maybe it's still a little bit early I'd go if I had one mullets are back that's right uh, I've got well I don't have one in fact I don't have anything up there anymore uh, it's a bit sparse it's a bit like uh, the, the top of Molokanish uh, but uh, mullets certainly back in the 80s uh, somebody said uh, you actually look like uh, Nick Kershaw which I was very complimented by and uh, Paul Young and then some of the Spando boys they had mullets and it was Ross actually who mentioned to me that it's as a result of Stranger Things the science fiction stuff on Netflix which I've watched a couple of series of and then just lost interest it became completely mad in the upside down but mullets are back and you'll notice them if you are out and about over the weekend take note they they look they don't I'll be honest with you uh, they don't fit in for me these days but back then we knew nothing else but if you really want to complete the package you've got to have that tidy tash you know where you have a little space just under your nostrils and then um, 
No handlebars, obviously, but just a tidy little tash to go with it, okay? So let me know, um, have you got a mullet? Did you have a mullet? Bono says in his autobiography uh, that when he looks back at Live Aid, he's mortified by what he sees when he sees himself dancing around on stage with the mullet. And uh, I think he had a tash back then as well, or a little goatee with it as well. But uh, I just had a look at the, the Live Aid stuff there, and I think he looks pretty cool. And I, I, I do think those guys in the 1980s, they looked at the business. So uh, if you've managed to hold on to your hair for a start, well done. And uh, if you're thinking of actually recreating or uh, sort of going back in time and uh, just, as it were transforming and making it a mullet again. Good luck to you. We'd love to hear from you this morning. Lots of ways to contact the show. 083 396 for texts or WhatsApp. And uh, if you want to email us, it's opinion at 96FM. And if you want to give us a shout, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you if there's something on your mind this morning. Everyone is talking about St. Bridget this week, uh, not least because she has given us this great new bank holiday weekend. But did you know... She was a warrior, a poet, uh, a goddess, and a brewer. And Sean O'Leary is a friend of the show who lives off-grid with his goats in the wilds of Kerry. He's a poet himself, well-known to us all, and a massive fan of St. Bridget. Morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Gareth. How are you keeping? I'm fantastic, but I'd say I would much prefer to swap places and be where you are today. What's it like there where you are? It's beautiful and we had a great moon setting this morning. I was up about five and the moon was just so beautiful. It's getting full now. Yeah, and, and I'm so grateful for the dry weather because we had a fair bit of rain there after Christmas. Yeah, and you're right in the wilds, aren't you? Right in the wilds, the beautiful Everan, southwest Kerry there. Port McGee is, is the place. Oh, wow. Now, just for those who don't know, can you tell me what off-grid means. You're living off-grid. What does that mean? I'm living off-grid. I don't have electricity or I don't have running water. So I live in a mobile home and I'm able to get the water nearby and I charge up at work. Wow. So, so short of the caravan, you lived, you're, you're living like St. Bridget would have lived all those years ago. Very, very much so. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting way because I was only thinking last night that I'm not, not kind of learning about folklore or researching about folklore, I'm actually living it, mm. which is, is a wonderful kind of like a frame of mind almost. Yeah, it, you're, in fact, your voice even reminds me of uh, the late great poet John O'Donoghue, who... Uh, All right. I, yeah, and um, I think Glenn Trasna in Connemara was where John based himself a lot of the time when he was at home. He's gone quite a long time now, nearly 15 years, mm. I think, more. But... Um, he he loved when he came back from touring with various books to just, as it were, leave everything behind and head back out to that small cottage he had and just embrace nature and immerse himself in the beautiful colours of the mountainsides and the lakes where he lived. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me, what, what does that feel like? It, do you know, actually, I did it over Christmas now. I had two weeks off <clears throat> and I became so unwound, I nearly unraveled. I was just... <laughs> part of nature everything was was just about that i'd let everything else go um opinions and again you see when you don't have television <clears throat> you don't get wound up about things as much i think mm-hmm. do you know it's much more nature and the summer now i'll be out and about doing a bit of gardening milky in the morning milky in the evening but this time of year well over the winter is much quieter but it's a very exciting time of year now 
and I'm sure you're delighted that St. Bridget has brought us a bank holiday as well. Not that it changes oh. your life that much. No, but it's still it's still very important and it's still great to see her recognised, you know, because I suppose when I, I think I was only three or four, Gareth, and I remember watching my sister and I still have it somewhere, but making sewing this doll, sewing this breed yog and I was asking what it's about and she was going off on the biddy with her friends and then my mom taking me out and showing me the um a cloth, a little white cloth on the washing line and she was telling me that St. Bridget was going to pass over tonight and bless that cloth as she got everything growing and giving everything life. Uh, when you say Passover, as in uh, her spirit would, would, would come close to the, the house. That's it. So yeah. she would pass over everything and she touches all the bushes, oh, right. she touches all the flowers, all the yos, the cows, bringing life now in for spring. That's, it's happened, so it's great to celebrate it. I love this whole scenario. I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's lovely to get away from just the madness. And I, I take it you don't watch Dancing with the Stars, no? Oh, God, help us, no. <laughs> Is there a goat involved? No, there's not. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about St. Bridget, because I know, like, you, 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 you think she's, she's wonderful, as we all do. Like, she is our matriarch. Oh, yes. uh, our, mm. our, um, and wh- fantastic. And I, yeah. it's kind of... Sorry, Gareth, excuse okay. me. It, it's... Um, she is wonderful because even though there's stories growing up in school, you'd heard of St. Bridget that um, a poor man came by looking for butter and she gave him some butter and her father was a, a chieftain and was very cross and didn't want things to be given out. And then when he looked, the butter had filled itself again and some other poor person came looking for milk and she gave him some milk. And when her father looked into the jug, it was full again. And that's a lovely, a lovely way of how stories get get um changed around because actually in the Celtic world her father is the Dagda and he had a cauldron that was always full for everybody who drank from it so you can see there's a connection between she's a fantastic deity in a way because she's for the Christians she's for the pagans she's for the women she's for the Irish she's for the brewers she's for the warriors she's for the healers she packs everybody she's probably for dancing with the stars as well (laughs) (laughs) and and just speaking of the brewing this was something i read a couple of weeks ago about her that obviously you know when you became ill way way back is that the fifth century we're talking about probably about back then and you know beer and whiskey and all these things they were very important because a lot of the times the water wouldn't have been that clean Mm mm-hmm so they would have got a lot of disease and stuff from water. So the best thing you could drink was whiskey or beer or something like that. Because of the brewing and the distilling, it was healthier for you. So they, they did notice that that um, it was years later than they realized about boiling the water and stuff like that. And that changed. But before that, water could make you sick. Yeah. Uh, so so, so when they were healing, they... Brush your teeth with beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had teeth, you're talking about the mother's house. I'm lucky to have here. <laughs> right. I'm just, uh, I'm curious because you've just sort of almost answered the question I was about to ask you. When, when you get sick, God forbid it's anything serious, but if you if you get a very heavy cold or a chest infection, what do you do? How do you uh, how do you remedy it? I usually make a, a big soup with um, some chicken, chicken with the 
very important. So mm-hmm. I'd say like chicken legs and stuff like that and chilies and ginger and onions, turmeric, garlic, all that in together and a few bowls of that and I'm, I'm usually fine after it then. And on the winter nights then when it gets dark very early, you've no electricity. So is that is that day over? Is that retire time? Yes, very much so. I mean, um, I, I have a few LED lights and stuff like that. But in the winter, in the summer, it's amazing, you know, it really, and, and there's, um, in the summer, you're, I have one or two um, solar powered lights. And in the summer, they're glowing, but you don't need them because you're going to, you're going to bed. But in the winter, when you need them, they're not as strong. So I suppose that's where batteries come in. But in the winter, yeah, you just contemplate more and you sleep more. Yeah. Hibernation. But, uh, you know, I'd be up early anyway, but there's that kind of, I'd go to bed around nine, that kind of way in the winter. Right. And as you said earlier, you're up at five. That's it. Yeah. And Tagairagum as well as the Gower. I have a dog as well, Grover, yeah. and a cat, and they keep me company. Yeah. And goats. You you sent us a video of your new baby goat, Pedro. Pedro. Pedro was born um, Tuesday morning. So oh. he was just in time for Bridget to bless him. And um, he's just so gorgeous. He's lovely. He's just, and he's part Angora, which means he will have wool, fibre, they call it, because sheep have wool, but goats have fibre. But he'll have fibre and he's beautiful colouring as well. He's, he's a real cute little baby goat, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it brings, it, it, this time of year, you know, it's much better to make your resolutions around this time of year rather than the... Because there's everything is hope and everything is potential, you know, with little Pedro now. He's just full of potential and that's what we have to see in our lives. Well, it's interesting you should say so because there's just been this fantastic blast of sunshine stretching across Cork City outside the window here. So St. Bridget was passing over. I bet you, Gareth, the apricity will be very nice out there today. Apricity? Apricity is the... uh, heat of the sun in winter all oh, right okay and there is there's a great blast so of heat i just found that about. out i just saw that in somewhere um i think it was yesterday so i had to show it off <laughs> no in in the i noticed in the photograph is that an angora wool coat you're wearing no not yet not yet but um i've done some felting with druid and Driucht. um druid is pedro's father and Driucht is his aunt so I have done some felting with their wool and somebody have spun, has spun it into a ball of wool. So there'll be more now this year. Where was St. Bridget from, Sean? What, was it Kildare she, she was based? She was, Kildare was kind of the monastery that was set up. So Bridget was all over Ireland in a way and I'd say everywhere has a Bridget. But uh, it's in Kildare then that the... Um, her nunnery was set up and that story then there's a lot that in a in a way that story kind of always puzzled me a bit because the story of Bridget getting the land to build her convent from the chieftain and the chieftain didn't want to give her the land and she asked look can you just give me what's on the what's on what the ground that my clover cloak will cover mm-hmm. so the chieftain agreed laughing saying what can her cloak cover and then her cloak grew and grew and grew and she got enough ground for her convent and I always felt that was a little kind of bit of trickery in a way (laughs) that she shouldn't use that she shouldn't have to use do you Mm. know what I mean if she's such a great lady but 
Then I realized Bridget is the land. So her cloak is the land. So it's not um, what her cloak covered. Her cloak is the land almost. And there's that um, almost like a veil as well as being lifted now off the land with the, the fur gone, uh, with the fog like that mm-hmm. but I think she's all over Ireland but she, she was definitely the Christian Bridget is in Kildare that's where her convent was but again like everything um, I'd say every little place has a as a the bridewell the breedwell you know things like yes. that everywhere would have a place called Bridget yeah and is was there a connection between herself and St. Patrick I'm not too sure about that I, I know there was a Patrick was married to Sheila there's a change, Saint Sheila's Day, and you couldn't say that on a Friday night. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, on the 16th of March, All right. and but the <clears throat> they'd probably be at different times as well because Bridget would have been um, from the pagan, from the Celtic world as well. So she's 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 that's what I'm saying. She's a fantastic. Nobody can. Um, falter because she's for everyone yeah it's fascinating and I, I i i just love hearing about her because for so many years she was forgotten apart from you know spotting one of the saint bridget crosses and that yes and like i would still put on my broth now it's been nine years i put it out every year yeah. and then i cut that into strips and i put a strip on the collar of all the goats when they're about to kid and I have a little prayer then. Have we lost? Have we lost, John? Are you there? Oh, you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a small little prayer then that I say, and it's um, well, I'll say the English version. Well, I'll say the Irish version and the English version if that's all right, Gary. Yes. So um. Okay. Amakas and tinna, amakas and trit, breed lesson lice, breed lesson sprit, cardun anish. Cardun fui lahir is tosainian on tarakis on vahir. Out of the fire, out of the fight, breed with the cure, breed with the light. Help us now and help us forever. You're the spring, the daughter, and the mother. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, can, will, will you do me a favour if you get a chance, and I know you're a busy man, will you maybe make me an Angora wool coat? I will definitely, Gareth. You're 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 on the list. Great, and you'll have to call because oh, I will in August then because I've um, for the last couple of years I've had the Queen of the Goats competition, right? Where some of the goats because there's a lot of people watch me online and stuff, so there's um, some of the goats are are what are the contestants Mm -hmm. and people vote, and we have a crowny of the Queen of the Goats then on the farm. Wow. I, I, I'm, so you'll have to call. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be there. I, I, I will be, and uh, and I hope you get plenty of apricity over the uh, the bank holiday weekend, Sean. Lacoon of day with with the help of God <laughs> and Bridget God. now. And uh, you said southwest Kerry, so you're south of Ventry. Are you near Castle Gregory? That direction? Oh no, Port McGee, ah, which right. would be down. Oh, you're near right Waterford at the tap there, in yeah. Lynch Island. Yeah. yeah, beautiful location, beautiful. Okay, uh, just I want to let everyone know with the, there's some lovely comments coming in. Uh, Sean and his goats have also set up an account on Patreon. That's P A T R E O N. So uh, you can, for, for a nominal fee, you can hear his fabulous videos and stories. 
and some of the beautiful poetry as well. Sean, it's been great, uh, great talking to you. I guess, um, Lala Fela Bridja Lat. Ben, you ben, as well. Slán Tamil. Wishing everybody a great weekend. Thank you, Sean. Slán Anish. Thanks a lot. Margaret. What a joy! I mean, on a Friday morning, you know, sometimes you you meet people in your life, and you're blessed by the few minutes you get to spend in their company. And I feel very much that way this morning. That's Sean, Sean O'Leary. Uh, as I say, if you go on to Patreon, uh, you can pay a nominal fee. You can hear his fabulous poetry and stories and there's some fabulous videos on there as well and that's uh, all to do with St. Bridget who I, th- I think it was the 5th the 5th century and may we all have lots of apricity this weekend Cork's 96 FM has just turned one loyal listener into a massive winner. Live free in 23. Oh my god! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money, money. Hello? Kelly? Yes? It's you. Yes! Oh my God. Is that going to make a big difference to you this year? Oh, huge. I had a baby last year, so she's nine months. All right. So it would be nice to try and take her away, maybe. Brilliant. On holiday. Yeah. yeah. Kelly Ahern from oh Carrigaline, you have just won Live Free in 23. Oh my God, thank you so much. Spending money. Your next big way to win is coming. We're sending you to see a homegrown superstar for free. Grab your passport and get ready to play. Only on Cork's 96FM. Now, in keeping with the St. Bridget's theme this weekend, it is a very special weekend, and uh, it adds one more bank holiday to our list of ten. Non Heron will save us. Whenever I hear that expression, I think of people like Mary Robinson and Mary McAleese. Lee Milani is the owner of MYO Cafe on Pope's Quay. He says, Non Heron are the only ones who can save us. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Gareth. How are you getting on? I'm doing great, thank you. And, uh, you know, talking to Sean there about St. Bridget and how she really made life difficult for the local chieftains, uh, she she, yes. she really did have a kind of a backbone of steel, didn't she? And and as you say, Manana Heron are the people who will lead us forward and take us out of all this mess we're in. Well, there you go. It was lovely to, it was lovely to listen to Sean about that and, you know, the sacred feminine in Ireland. And I suppose that really has been tipped out of balance, like... Well, it's it's God bless Patrick, and it's a great, it's a wonderful occasion. You know, we didn't have anything representing the feminine, and I suppose at our at our highest and loftiest, Ireland was always a balance between both. You know, and I think one being out of balance has led to led us down certain paths. You know, yeah, and, and maybe not so good. So more women in power, more women in the hospitals, up at the top, and the universities, and all of that. And we're having a little celebration of this day on Monday. So we're, we're calling on traditional musicians to come out, and all musicians, and male and female, of course, but to um, call in a few tunes on, on Monday um, from 1 to 3. And we'll be raising some money for Edel House, and uh, we might even have a little bit of mead from the, the Kinsale Mead Company to keep people warm. Excellent. Sounds great. Yeah. And, and, and this, this is in, in the restaurant there. MYO, yeah. is, is that Make Your Own? Mio, it's called it's Mio. It's from a Buddhist chant, Namio or Rengeko. Yeah, Mio. We we affectionately call it Mio in Cork. You know? Mio, okay. Because yeah. I think there's yeah. a, there, there is 
there's something similar in Dublin, but I think it's make your own. It, it's it is indeed. Oh, yeah. God, if only they would, it would be great. Yeah, just make it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. this is happening on Monday, and it's an invitation oh, to um, trad musicians and girls particularly now. Yeah, particularly the women, and, 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 you know, bring their voices, and all musicians, you know, yeah. to come down, and uh, we, we'll see how it's... We, 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 and then in the afternoon, we have a wonderful storyteller called... Patrick Doyle from Kilkenny, who's based in Kinsale, but he's going to regale us with stories of Bridget and we'll be making Bridget crosses and things like that as well. So that'll be happening between three and six. Yeah. And you know something that, that there's really nothing more empowering to watch than, say, Sharon Shannon and the lovely documentary with her on Nationwide, I think it was a few weeks back. When yes. you see a woman behind an accordion or a, a fiddle or even playing the drums or oh know. my god she, I mean so I've seen her in session as well and she, she, she'd lead an army for you you yeah. follow her anywhere yeah she's an amazing woman yeah. yeah so time for the women to rise up how can they do yes, that Liam? Well, I suppose bring it, you mean in society? <laughs> well, I suppose that's a very broad question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm sure we'll have plenty of women on to say, I'll tell you how we can rise up. But well, uh, look, I mean, you know, globally, there's not, yeah. there's, it isn't women that are pulling the triggers, it isn't women that are on top of these, you know, oil companies and these corporations that are destroying our planet. If you look at native cultures, the women, it was always in balance. You know, they held the power which kept things sustainable. I think uh, Sean touched on it there earlier. Do you know, there was there was a, there was the, the cauldron of plenty. Everybody had enough. You know, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's trying to to trick and to to get around the chieftains. We still have plenty of them around today. That's for There's sure. There's a balance to be struck. Is, that yeah. is, it's about yeah. all about balance, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Saint so. Sheila. I I was not aware of that. That that the feast day before Saint Patrick's Day is Saint Saint Sheila's Day, and apparently she was linked in some. Uh, relationship way with St. Patrick which is extraordinary as well Interesting, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't hear that yet What time on Monday, Liam? So we'll be gathering from maybe 12.30 and maybe kick off around lunchtime and see weather permitting and uh, we'll make some noise down there um, and it'll be very fluid as I said people are, and all, everybody is welcome I know there's, a, there's uh, we have pipers already lined up and there's fiddles and flutes and all coming so you know, everybody is welcome to come down and just uh, hopefully yeah. the weather stays good and it'll be a nice thing to do in the afternoon, you know, and maybe one day this will be a bigger festival than St. Patrick's Day, who knows? Well, that's it. That, now you have it, yeah, because they all started somewhere, that's for sure. And there you go. Once again, it's it's for a very worthy cause. Um, well, they're doing amazing work and they're under awful pressure yeah. over there in the Dell House, so yeah, it's just anything at all to be able to help, yeah. Yeah, yeah, worth looking up the work they do if uh, if you have not heard of them. Uh, Liam, it's great to chat to you and have a great weekend. Wonderful, Janet. Thank you for your time. God bless you. God and bless have you. Great La okay. Thank you, Liam. That's it. <laughs> Liam Mulaney there, uh, owner of uh, Mayo Cafe on Popeski. That's 12.30 onwards. I would imagine if the weather's good and if it's anything like it is today, it'll be beautiful. 12.30 in the afternoon onwards on Bank Holiday Monday. Now, just coming up after the break, you'll remember yesterday we had a huge reaction to our feature on religion being phased out in schools around the country. And we're going to come back to that in a couple of moments. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good you at selling. You the old Jordan Belfort now on me. Okay. Send me this pen. Here's a pen. Yeah. All right. How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cents. Sold. 
There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Good morning to you, Friday morning of this brand new bank holiday weekend. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here on Cork's 96FM Opinion Line for PJ, who's back on Tuesday. Now, if you were listening to the, the lads earlier on, I joined them around about quarter to nine, um, and we were talking about mullets. Mullets are back. For those of you who've never heard the word mullet, now, I doubt very many people have never heard of it. Uh, you've only got to walk around at the weekend, and you'll see that it's very much back in fashion. Think back, those of you who were fans of Paul Young and Nick Kershaw and Howard Jones, and uh, the new romantics Spando Ballet and the likes of those guys I think even Prince actually had a mullet at one stage during uh, the 1980s and I believe it's all down to Stranger Things, the science fiction business on Netflix Great piece in the Irish Times this morning and uh, Connor Kaplis who wrote the piece joins me on the line now Good morning Connor. Morning Gareth, how are you? I'm very well and thank you I I know you're about to board um, a plane Are you doing a runner or is it just a um, holiday? No, I'm just going, just going on my holidays, but oh. I have a few minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't blame you, actually. Yeah. I know, I, I, I just uh, thinking there, I, I just saw PJ putting up something on Twitter last night. He's counting down the days to his holidays as well, and that, yeah. I think, I think yeah. everybody's doing that. So, it's that time of year, you know, you need, you need to get away. Yeah, I'm looking at a photograph of you. Now, you, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have been kind of... Um, uh, a, a mullet wearer back in the days of Nick Kershaw and uh, you know the likes of ha- Howard Jones and that, but it it's coming along nicely actually. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's 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 a fairly new thing. I mean, I I don't profess to know everything about mullets. It's you know I've only had it for a couple of months now. Um, but like I'm I'm young enough, I'm 24, and um, you know people are are trying them out, and I thought I'd do it. And uh, the the weird thing is, you know, they can be. Um, I didn't realize how controversial they can be like some some people really really hate them um and i don't know i i guess uh it went out of fashion and people think it's some people think it should say there um but uh but yeah no i i think they're cool um you know it's a bit of fun um and uh but yeah same with um uh the the, the thing that i feel like um gets most people talking is the sort of the mullet mustache combo you know like i've never gotten so many compliments from men like just about mustaches like i i tried a mustache a few years ago in college and uh, people hated it and they love to tell you what they think <laughs> or mm. about um about your mustache but now you know i i don't know um uh, the public is turning and people yeah. generally uh, generally like it I, I don't know yeah it's interesting because um i think when the mullet was very popular in the 80s it, the tash was not really a priority if i can remember mm. some of the videos on top of the pops and that but um seeing the kind of the the the, the mullet with the tash it has a, a slight village people look about it <laughs> I mean that's that's not what I was going for but you know um, if you like it that, that's okay I don't mind <laughs> or on the other hand as you say that one of your colleagues compared you to a Stasi agent in East Berlin in the 80s <laughs> yeah I didn't know what to do with that information but um, you know I'm glad it's I'm glad they, you know it's taken an interest so that, that's fine with me yeah I, you'll get some compliments I'd say in Spain if you ever get a chance to watch the Falcon and the Snowman movie it's all about East Berlin and that and uh, okay. uh, the two guys in it the two big guys in it I think they're big they're big mullet wearers it was around about yeah. 1986 so okay I'll give it a look yeah is, is it like I, I I haven't kind of been in and out of the clubs of Cork in a long long time I think the last mm. time I was in a nightclub I met my wife but uh, <laughs> it, it's, is it very popular around the city have you noticed um, yeah like I mean I've, I've only been in Cork since 
this summer um, or last summer, and yeah, um, yeah do, do you know, it, it has so sort of slowly come back. Like it, it's it's not it's not a new thing this year or anything. Like um, you know, I think kind of came into its own since the pandemic. Um, I don't know, a few people like maybe Paul Meskel wearing one, you know, mm. you know, brings it into people's minds but um but yeah i don't know it's just just one of those styles you know it'll keep moving on it's probably probably something to do with that um you know cyclical fashion trends you know we're getting into sort of yeah. 90s trends again and then we'll get to early 2000s again and it'll just it'll just keep going around and you know with some changes um mm. yeah anyway keep at it it's it's uh it's it's a, a kind of a work in progress and it's looking good so far <laughs> it is it is thank <laughs> okay. you where are you where are you going to spain by the way uh no i'm going to amsterdam Oh, Amsterdam. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm br- i got to wrap up warm anyway. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Great to talk to you. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Connor Thanks Kappas there. That full article, actually, it's a very, very witty article, uh, is in the Irish Times this morning. He talks about um, Bono's reference in Bono's autobiography there uh, to how he reacted when he watched the live, live Aid video back in, I think it was 1985, all over again. And he just thought, no, 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 that's all wrong. <laughs> that's all wrong. <laughs> now, um, on to something... Uh, more serious. We had a huge reaction to our feature on religion in schools yesterday. Uh, we spoke to Joy and Vanessa who had their own stories and uh, told them very eloquently, young mums who had chosen to opt out of religious education for their children. And I've got Graham on the line right now who's a secondary school teacher. Good morning to you, Graham. Morning, girl. How are you getting on? Great, thank you. Great. Yeah, all good. All good so far and hopefully it's a little cloudier than it was when I came in, but you know, it's looking like a nice start to the bank holiday. You well, it's fi- looking nice where I am. Oh, re- whereabouts are you? I'm just down a man. The sun's just come out. Just come ah, out. yeah, yeah. In fact, if I crane my neck here, I can probably see where you are <laughs> from, the, from the window here. You think <laughs> religion has no place in, in schools? Um, broadly speaking, obviously speaking for myself, not for my school or anything like yeah. that, but in... Um, Two facets to that. Do I, th- I think it has no authoritative role in schools. So I, in schools, I don't think there should be any religious school of any denomination. Um, they shouldn't have any control. They just do boards of management, patrons, anything like that. Um, it's, it's something left over. No, in fairness, it's left over from the state abdicating responsibility for education. So, um, but it's also a tool of indoctrination. Yeah, but that's the purpose of it. And that, no indoctrination that doesn't necessarily have to be bad. My view through a school. It, isn't something that should be there. Um, if they want religious education, Sunday schools. And I've got a sneaking suspicion it dr- the uh, amount of people participating would drop off dramatically. Um, if there was Sunday school, if that was if that was the only option for religi- uh, education, yeah, through through religion, it just mm-hmm. people would. No, I'm not saying nobody would attend. Obviously, they would, but dramatically less. Um, the link that. Ireland and our schools have with uh, religion is a complete out- outlier globally. I think it's ourselves in Malta are the only countries that have um, the such a high uh, percentage of religiously controlled schools. Is that and so? It, yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know the exact percentage, but I'd have to Google it to look it up. And obviously, I can do that at the moment. Yeah. But we're a massive outlier. Um, they should be public. Uh, schools shouldn't have anything to do religion people obviously want religious education for their children which they are perfectly entitled to do it through the church yeah do it at weekends I'm now you know you're you're as it were on the inside for quite a few years now does the Catholic Church still have a big input in boards of management in in schools particularly secondary schools Um, they 
obviously not all schools obviously like I say educate together and stuff like that aren't um, we, uh, wouldn't have a religious patron, patron but the vast majority of schools do mm-hmm. um, and that gives that patron let's say on a board of management um, two of the members of the board of management are selected by that patron right so no it isn't always many members of the clergy and again no disrespect meant to them in any way I know of plenty course. of uh, police and stuff um, like yeah, I'm very very well with we would disagree about quite a number of things yeah. but as people we'd get on just fine yeah. um, but at every board that would have a uh, that is a school uh, religious ethos religious patron would have at least two members who would be selected by that patron right right. and then you, in fairness a lot of primary schools specifically would refer back to uh, their patron on an awful lot of issues mm. so, so it wouldn't be necessarily decided by a board or decided as it would be the patron itself would decide. Right. So in, 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 in current times, if, 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 if there's a, an interview procedure going on looking for specific teachers in different subjects, does the church still have a say in the selection of the individuals? Um, potentially, yes, for, in, through a number of ways in that um, the interview panel would usually be made up of members of the board of management. So may, and it regularly would include one of those um, members who are selected by the patron themselves. But also in terms of primary school, if you're going to be a primary school teacher, you have to teach religion in these schools. Yeah. The va- I mean, it wasn't, I'm going to say 90%. I would be open to someone's correction. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it's a very, very high number of primary schools are um, under a religious patron. So, for example, I'm an atheist. Um, which is brilliant. Of course, yeah. you are given the argument. Like well, you're arguing. well I, I get the feeling that you're 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 pretty much in the majority at this stage. Maybe ten years ago, you would have been in the minority. Uh, among the whole population, I don't know. Like when you you take things from the CSO and stats, uh, uh, obviously the number of people who take Catholic or Protestant or Muslim and all that kind of thing are religious generally is decreasing. Mm. But that's just a fact. But also, an awful lot of people who take, are taking it, but not living it. Right. I mean, church attendance reflect that pretty obviously. Yeah, and people still tend to have that fear of admitting, I, I don't believe, but I don't want to make that public. Um, so I, I suppose, I I'm not sure as much fear. Like, again, I'm atheist, quite happy to say, say it to people, but, you know, I even say it to my own children, but I also turn around and I explain to them, most people disagree with me. Right. So, when you're old enough, you'll make up your own mind. Um, mm. So, given context, like, I believe this thing, but just because I believe it, you don't have to believe it. But in terms of the fact, I could not be a, a primary school teacher in mm-hmm. the vast majority. No, I'm not on the secondary school teacher, but in the vast majority of schools, I, I couldn't be. Right. Because other than, other than, if I lied, and then go in and teach something I don't believe. Right. Which, you know, I have a career and a family to support, so I'm not, I'm not going to say I'd be above no. doing that. I would really not like the idea of doing that. I'm very happy I don't have to do that. But do I think there are primary school teachers doing that? I have absolutely no question about it. Of course there are. Right, right. Uh, I'm just from the point of view of, of training in religion in order to teach it, when, say, for example, UCC, you go and you do your, your, your BA honours and you select the subjects that you want to teach... I, I noticed that theology is not one of the, t- the subjects you can choose in UCC. No, but if you're being taught through, if you're get, uh, getting a teaching qualification through UCC, that's going to be um, secondary. So for myself, I only have two, uh, say I, I, well, technically I have three main subjects. Um, I don't teach them anymore. Complete tangent, I won't go down as to why. Right. I, have, um, I, I run um, three classes for autistic students. Oh, right. Uh, so my career took a very enjoyable and fascinating and really rewarding turn, but away from the subjects I would have qualified at. Um, but for a primary school teacher, if you're part of their education training would involve 
teaching how to teach religion. Mm-hmm. It, w- it wouldn't have been involved in mine. Yeah. I take it, and I don't know how old you are. Um, 44. 44. So religion, the religion that they teach in, in schools now would be very different to, say, the religion you would have been taught in, in, in primary school. Um, yes. Um, now, again, I don't, I don't teach either, so I, I'm open to correction by people who actually do. Yeah. Um, but from my understanding of it, in secondary schools, it is more holistic. You're teaching about religions. Yeah. Um, but you're still from a school that usually has a Catholic Protestant ethos yeah. in the vast majority of things. So, uh, but I'm not going to say they, they're not going around saying, oh, every other religion is wrong kind of thing. Right. Um, in a primary school context, I mean, and I don't mean in this the worst term, but it is indoctrination. Mm. It yeah. is teaching a child that, yeah, now, parents may want that, um, but in my opinion, if they want that, they should be doing that outside of school. Um and I think an awful lot less of them would want it if that was the case. Yeah. But in primary school, is there a huge difference? Um, I would imagine people are nicer in the delivery, shall we say. I remember mm-hmm. so, it was a bit, not entirely fire, fire and brimstone when I was a kid, but it was a bit more that way. I would be very surprised if it's, the teachers are actually delivering that way. Now, I, do, I don't think they would at all. Yeah. But it is still pushing. This is the religion. This is what is correct. God did this. Uh, I, I, again, I don't want to be attacking religion anyway, but that, everyone knows that that is the purpose. And it also, it takes up a huge proportion of primary school mm. education. And for any student who opts out, the school is meant to provide alternative education. And the next part is not a dig at the schools because it is not their fault. Um, but in the vast majority of instances, they do not have the resources to provide that alternative education. So kids end up sitting in the corner, reading a book or coloring or, you know, or doing a worksheet or something like that. Now, that's as much as the teacher in the situation can manage, not to dig at them in other school. They don't have the staff, but they have a legal obligation to provide an alternative education and they are not resourced to do so. Right. And just, uh, we also mentioned homework yesterday, Graham. Um, Pr- President Michael D. Higgins, of course, advocating that homework should be scrapped completely. Yeah, trying to get the future... Trying to ra- rack up those future votes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteeing a few more terms there if you want them. Yeah. Now, you, you think homework shouldn't be a thing in primary school, but uh, and I, and I agree with you. Obviously, it is necessary for secondary, particularly if you're going to go on to third-level education. Um, that would be the main gist of it, yeah. yeah. Even, and this isn't, now, this is my own personal opinion, but it's also, if you actually Google and get into the research of it, this is also what the research would show, is that the benefits from primary school homework are negligible. The detriments in terms of a variety of different things are far more evident and outweigh the positives. I'm not saying there are no positives, but they're outweighed by the negatives. So just in different things, just organizing your family life and stuff like that, um, convincing five-year-olds and eight-year-olds mm-hmm. to sit down and do that. I, I mean, only say those two numbers because I've got both of them. Yeah. Um, most days it's okay. Plenty of day, uh, quite a number of days it's not. But it can also have a negative effect on students in that it'll turn them against education and that, look, this is, you know, this is something I should be doing in school. It affects the amount of time they have to play with their friends and things like that. And people say, oh, well, look, it's more important to be doing maths and English and, you know, um, so over the course of their primary education, it, it isn't because right. schools that don't, primary schools that don't give that kind of homework, their students don't underachieve relative to schools that do give. Right. So the benefit isn't there. Um, and then the de- uh, for those students who don't have homework at home, then they do have all this other free time. No, obviously it's up for parents to ensure their students are using that free time productively and we're you know, not just yeah. sitting looking at screens or anything. But 
I'm not saying absolutely no homework. So should parents sit down and read with their kids? Of course they should. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. I do it every day, but I do it on a regular basis. Develop a love of reading, that kind of thing, yes. But sitting okay. down and doing maths and English and writing, it isn't necessary. And, and one final very quick question for you um, in relation sure. to ethics and, you know, the basis and foundation of philosophy now being phased in, in in first and second and third year. Do you think that's a good idea? Generally speaking, yes. But what are you going to replace with it? Yeah. There are loads of things that should be added to education. Um Minimum PE, it should be doubled for everybody. Right. Just uh, our, our own physical health. There are so many things that I could go on and I won't bore you with it. There are so many things, worthwhile, beneficial things that should be added to both secondary and primary education. But there needs to be the time and the resources to do it. Yeah, so the whole system is outdated at this stage. Yeah, again, and yes, and you say that you have different ministers will talk about, oh, we should do this, we should do that. Cool, brilliant. Give us the resources to do it yeah. and we will. Yeah, exactly. Graham, great to talk to you and have a good weekend. No worries. Will do. Thank Thanks, you. Gar- thank you very much. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Friday morning and uh, it's the first February bank holiday we're celebrating this weekend so I hope you have a lovely uh, weekend if you've planned something special just listening to Maraid there actually talking about making Cork uh, a, a safer cycling city uh, one thing I notice, and I'd love to hear the bus driver's views on this one is the electric scooters situation because they are lethal and particularly dangerous if uh, the single occupant is um, is not wearing a high vis and, and uh, head protection and that as well, because I was actually crossing South Mal the other day and one of these things was on the cycle lane, which, as you know, is pretty wide, almost as wide as one of the lanes on the road itself. Um, and it, it literally only I, I, I had to literally stop dead because if I'd moved, I didn't know what way he was going to go. He just went by me so fast. Um, quite quite precarious. Now, let's get back to the whole idea that uh, religion is being phased out of schools at the moment. Uh, quite a lot of texts on this, by the way. 0833 96, 96, 96 if you would like to contribute to the conversation. Bruce says, unfortunately, all of the Catholic schools still have the Catholic Church on their boards. They're not going to change. I'm not sure why it's still in schools. I've travelled the whole planet and it's not something I've needed. Ethics are and should be taught more openly and more often. Uh, and that's from Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. A lot of people asking yesterday after the show, what, what's ethics? Well, it's the foundation. It's almost like uh, the, the beginning of learning philosophy and the great thinkers of our time and of generations and centuries going back. Um, hi, Gareth. Nothing at all wrong with a bit of religion. We all go back to prayer in times of need. That's so true. Graphic pictures of Jesus on the cross didn't do us any harm in the 70s. It was part of our Catholic teachings. If we get rid of religious teachings, which is now more about morals, our kids will be totally fecked. That's from Anne. And uh, also someone saying, it's a very simple solution. I send my kids to a Catholic school to be taught religion as well as the other school curriculum. If you don't want religion during school hours, don't send your child to a Catholic school. Mohammed, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for calling back. And nice to hear you on the phone and on the show this morning. Now, you're originally from Sudan, but you've been living in Cork now for, would I be right in thinking about 10 or 11 years? Yes, right, yeah. And you love Cork? 
I love Cork so much. Oh, I, see, I, I, I do too. And I'm I'm doing so much here in Cork as a multicultural and through my uh, community uh, and such things here mm-hmm. in Cork. You believe all religions need to be addressed in the school. How can, how is that possible? Actually, I say that because I believe all the kids they need to be in certain level of information about every single religion so that they will can find out exactly what's right and what's wrong. How that has to be in the curriculum by good teachers. They have enough information about all the religions. And at least they will, they, they will find out themselves what the right information apart from the one that's going on the online and on the media or what's going on. So whenever this kind of subject has been in the school as as in the curriculum, they sh- they will have the right information from the right side mm. from the schools. That's what I believe. Can I ask you a question? And this is something that I've been very conscious of over the years. Um, it's fair to say that a lot of Irish people have a totally wrong perception of um Islam and and the Muslim religion and the Quran. Would you agree with that? Yeah, completely agree. Through my conversation in my workplace with my colleagues, I find most of them they have wrong understanding about Islam, and that not because of them. Because even Muslims they couldn't they couldn't forward the right message or the right information about Islam regarding to lack of their information regarding the lack of their education. I myself, I, I graduated from Islamic University, so I have enough information. I have enough ability to to update the the to keep the Quran and to keep the Islam as up to most recently update with the with what's going on in the world right now. Because mm. many of people they still believe in what has been for fourteen hundred years ago, but which is it is the time now to to people to follow the update. Right. And to tell them what's supposed to be going on with the, with the life going on now, and because of that, also not uh, not only Irish, even many of Muslims who are living here and living all around the world, even in the Muslim world, they have wrong understanding for Islam, because most of the scholars who they forward the message, some of them they get the Muslim confused in what they believe in. And and now what I'm saying here is uh, like uh, religion has to be addressed in the schools. I'm talking to all about all religion, not only Islam, so that people they have at least the basics, the right basics about every religion. Mm. And they and and in that case, I respect all the religions because the knowledge I I get through my education that we have to believe in all religions. And even Muslims, they have to know that if they don't believe in all religions, that means they have wrong understanding for their beliefs. And, and according to, back to that, so if, if everyone gets enough information, right information through schools, so there, is, there will be big confusion mm. going away from the, their head. And how, how, what would you say to people who tend to automatically go back to the whole extremist side of, of you know, Islam and that. And, and a, lo- a lot of people, 
this is taking t- taking us back to nine eleven. A lot of people. It, it's almost as if that was when the misconception started, and that many Muslims were tarred with the same brush as a result of what happened at that time. And this is why I think so many people wrongly associate extremism yeah. with the Muslim religion in the same way that we have fundamentalists who will tell you that the Garden of Eden actually was a reality 2,100 years ago. What would you say to those people? Actually, if... if uh, most of that it was just propaganda through the, through the media, through the thing. But in, I believe that educated Muslims they, or people who they have enough knowledge they were trying to 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 force the message that that was not true. What going on? What has been the the bad impression which has been forwarded to to, to all around the world because of that accident? That's not it's not right. It's not mm-hmm. that that's not the way of Muslim. And that that even if that happened by Muslim, that kind of radical Muslim, they don't belong to to, to Muslim communities. They be, they belong to their own beliefs. Because Islam believes it will never say such such things happen. We believe all humanity, human being has been generated before religion, and religion came after. So yes. that means religion will never disagree with human religion. All religions they agree together. Because if religion they disagree to each other, that means something going on, something going wrong. With who is creating the religion? Well, that's we what believe. that's what causes war, isn't it? Yeah, that's what causing the know, war because yeah. misunderstanding for religion, and and scholars, some scholars, make it worse by translating mm-hmm. some version of Islam in wrong way, and that make make things worse. We believe even by by our Prophet Muhammad, he sent us when the time was so bad for for that time of Muhammad. The Muhammad sent his people to live with some kind of non-Muslim countries and they have to behave properly and nice way and live and respect each other so that you can live peacefully. Right. So that, 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 that's the way it should be actually. I have been, I myself, I have been living, and as, if I, if I tell you like that, if I tell you that the most recently, just one year ago, I say most recently research about living in with the religions, Ireland is one of the best countries to practice your religion in. Mm. It's number third, I say, or so. I don't say, I don't want to talk about Islamic countries, but Islamic countries, they're more, more radical with other religions to practice other religions in Islamic countries. Why well, it's, we, it's, it's fair to say that they're also very prohibitive in terms of, of how visitors and, and um, holidaymakers behave. Yeah. That's, that's what's going on, actually. So now I myself, uh, I, I believe I, I have enough understanding. And I'm, 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 what I'm doing here, I'm trying to teach all, right. all the kids here in core, in some way, in Islamic studies, to tell them how you're supposed to live in non-Muslim country, how you're supposed to live with, non- with non-Muslim people, and you practice them, and you show them how you good you are through your behaviors, through your through your 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 practice in your everyday life. So is that is, is that down to 
peace or there's punishment going on here in a lot of those countries as well yeah what uh, exactly what you mean with the punishment here well they're, they're, like for example you know I think we've lost Mohammed there we'll try and continue that conversation in, in a little while this morning Kaz good morning <laughs> Morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, just keeping with the whole religion and phasing religion out of schools theme, you're organising a non-communion day, which I is am. my little big day, which yeah. is fascinating. That's May 14th. Tell me about it, if you can. Yeah, we're very excited. Before I start, I just want to say how thrilled I am to hear you on the radio and how good it is to hear you healthy and well and everything like that. Because we're so very, much. very fond of you in our house. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> So, yeah, um, this started a couple of years ago. My eldest is now 11 and in fifth class. But when she was going into second class, um, her cousins would be doing communion, confirmation and all of that. And my little one said, well, I want to have the day and I want to have the party, but I don't want to say that I believe in this religion because I don't, because we would have a lot of friends um, and people that we love who are non-binary and on the LGBTQ um, kind of society and so she kind of she has an old head on her so she would understand that according to the Catholic Church that's not totally acceptable and all of that so she said look I, I want to do this but I kind of want to make my communion because I want the party and I want the fancy dress yeah. but I don't want to say that I believe in something that I don't believe in and I said well why don't we just throw you a party then so then I looked into it and I found out that there was this whole my little big day thing <clears throat> so we're calling it children's celebration so it's open to any, all, and no religions, right? So what this is basically is it's um, a ceremony designed by the children, for the children. Um, we have a humanist celebrant. Um, and so what we did, so hers got postponed because of COVID, so we only did it last year. Right. <coughs> it's not just for our school. So it's well, I've kind of published it across East Cork because we're based in, our school is based in Middleton. But it's open to any family in Cork that wants to come. We have families coming down from Mayfield from different places that are doing it with us. So what happens is we have one workshop and that will last maybe two to three hours. And that is where the children, um, a parent or a guardian comes with them and the celebrant is there. But the children decide what the ceremony is going to look like, what the format is going to be, what the music will be, if any, if there'll be readings of poems or if somebody wants to make a little speech for a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever. So what they chose last year was a theme of um, the environment and they focused quite strongly around trees. So they said that they wanted to focus on the tree because the family gives you roots, yeah. but also allows you to spread your branches. And so <clears throat> they um, did some environmental work just as a as a nice thing to do. And for the ceremony then, um, we had a sand ceremony um, where each child brought in a different colour sand and they each had a little container. They poured it into a bigger container. And then at the end of the ceremony, all of that sand together was poured into a little hearing that they all got to keep. Um, family members got to write them a letter saying, you know, this is why I love you. This is what I hope for your future. Um, there was some music. Um, and then at the end of the ceremony, we got permission from the school. So we hold it in Middleton Educate Together National School. But it's um, it's like the school isn't responsible for it. This is me doing it on my own. And they were very kind in letting me rent the school hall to do it. And we got permission from the school then um, that we could plant a tree um, with their wishes for the future tied onto the tree branches and we got to plant that tree in the car park. So now whenever anybody drives past the school or any of the kids who are in the school or, or in the yard, they get to see that tree. 
So um, we'll probably be doing it again next year when she's doing, when she's of yeah. confirmation age. But her little sister now is of communion age. So I put the word out there a couple of weeks ago. We've got families joining in now already. <clears throat> and it's um, it's not um, it's not like a two fingers up to the Catholic Church or anything like that. This yeah. is because um, I guess the, the the circles in which my family next is in um, would be very very diverse. Um, so we would have very traditional Irish Catholics. We would have out there um, people with you know no no religion whatsoever. Like my husband is Dutch. And his family tree, they have no history of religion. You know what I mean? So there's very diverse um, people in our world. We have Muslim friends, we have Jewish friends, we have everything, right? So um, this is a way of, for the children who weren't doing communion, who were kind of like, oh, I want to be doing something nice too, but I don't want to celebrate something I don't believe in. So we said, well, why don't we celebrate you? Aren't you worth celebrating on your own? So the ceremonies are always held on a Sunday, so that if there are families who are doing First Holy Communion, our ceremony won't clash with theirs. So if they have, like my, I have two nieces this year, one making communion and one making one making confirmation. Um, sorry, no, I'm lying. Only one is making confirmation. <laughs> okay. um, it's, it's, I know, it's difficult so, to try to keep yeah, up, you know. Yeah. It is, but like I didn't want their ceremonies to clash. Like I didn't yeah. want to say, oh, I can't come to yours because we're doing ours. Mm. But equally, there are kids who are making communion who are like, but can I be celebrated for me too? And we're like, yeah, "Yeah, of course, come on in. And it's a not-for-profit thing as well. So it averages usually between 50 and 60 euros a family. Right. And then what we do is we have the ceremony in the top half of the hall. Then we open up the second half of the hall where we have a servery-type kitchenette. Yeah. And we bring in our own food and we have a little bit catered and we have a party there in the hall. And that's the big party then that everybody gets. And then should you choose to go off and do the big expensive communion-type party, that's on you, mm. but there's no onus on you to do that. And there's no formal dress code. So some people come all dolled up looking stunning. Some kids just want to come in in a tracksuit because that's what they're comfortable in. Yeah. Um, it's an autism friendly service. It's very, very inclusive. And it's just the whole purpose of it is to be positive and celebrate the children. And it's not um, flying in the face of anybody's religion because it's open to all religions and it's open to no religion. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So as as you say, it's it's fully inclusive. You're not competing with the traditional no. Holy Communions. In no. fact, you're including them yeah. if, if, they want to, if they want to do both. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful Because we very idea. much respect everybody. Like, I'm I'm no longer a Catholic. That's my personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fully respect somebody else's decision to remain within the Catholic Church because who am I to judge you? Yeah. You know, you, you live your path. I respect you for who you are. And then I'll, I'll go my path and hopefully I'll be respected for who I am. So it's very much inclusive. And it's just, it's like, because my kids are in Educate Together in Middleton, it's very much like the ethos of the school. That's why we sent them, because we're actually living in Cove and we trek down every day. It was the ethos of the school and it was the fact that it's so inclusive and that once you walk up to that school, it's who you are matters. It doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter what your religion is, whether you have religion, what your nationality is. It's you as a person is validated. And that's the kind of situation I wanted my kids growing up in so that they would learn to be open and ethical, you know, in their dealings with people. And that's very much how the school is. And so that's very much how I want the ceremony to be, even though the ceremony is not associated with the school, if you know yeah, what I mean. Absolutely. And it's on the, uh, the yeah. second, it's for second and third classes, obviously kids who would be making Holy Communions around about that time in May. Yeah. 
Uh, May 14th yeah. is the date. And if, 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 if someone listening this morning wants more information, do you have a number? Do you have a website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I published the um, information on um, East Cork Discussions Facebook page and also on Middleton Mums. Okay. But I'm happy to give you guys my number and my email um, if, if, if you're supposed to call it out, I can call it out. Or if you want to wait and give it to people who ring in, I don't know what your system yeah, is. Yeah, well, probably, you know what we'll do? We, we'll let people call us rather than giving out your own personal phone number, which I don't usually like doing in any situation. Okay. On the, It's just to protect you, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In, in, see, the, the situation here, and the, I, I want to clarify why I say that, is that mm-hmm. there are people out there who just don't agree with you, point blank, and they don't want yeah. to know your reason, and they don't want to know the thinking behind it, and I don't want those people people calling you on your private number. Oh, so. thank you. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I think you're busy enough as it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have friends, like, who, when my daughter was doing it last year, their kids were in her class and they were like, zero interest in this now, Kaz. Like, that just sounds, you know, <laughs> right, okay. no interest. Like, they were very, like, I have zero interest in this. This sounds okay. like, complete. And that's completely fine. Like, you okay. don't have to agree with me. That's a hundred, like, it's not forcing anyone into it. It's if you want to be part of it, you're very, very welcome. If you don't want to be part of it, we respect that completely. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm sure we'll get lots of inquiries. I'll just tell you a funny story. Years ago, when I was back in the days of um, 2FM, um, and I, I'd, had a, I'd had a very bad flu, and the first day I came back, I, I invited people to give us a call, and I gave up my own mobile phone number uh, oh, no. to about 270,000 <laughs> people. So, <laughs> but you want it, the extraordinary thing was not one sim, sim, single person rang. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I know. Anyway, oh, wow. so, uh, but it didn't reflect the ratings, thank goodness. Kaz, <laughs> Kaz great to talk to you. And you, and you, and continued good health to you, Thanks. and all the best wishes. And you too. Thanks a lot, Kaz. Just um, before the break, I want to go back. Mohammed, we dropped the, the line dropped there. You're, you're back with me. No, I'm, Robert. I'm back now. Yeah, and I wanted to just clarify the point I made. You said to me how, uh, you, you know, Islam, the history of Islam, and to be fair, it's a point I have to make. It, it, its track record in terms of how women are treated is intolerable and unacceptable. Would you agree with that? Yes, to some extent, uh, and some of that is uh, is translated in wrong way. Uh, it's not always the meaning of the of of that reading is the, is is the way they reflect it to people. Mm. But uh, as we want to say as well, Islam is respecting a woman in so many cases, and respect to deal how to deal with women in so many cases. But some, uh, for somehow, you say some scholars or some judges, they they translate it in wrong way, and some stories they forward, forward it in wrong understanding, and that's the reason of giving that bad image. Okay, we we'll leave it there, Mohammed. I'll have to go. Thank you. It's lovely to hear from you and, and continued success with the, the the great work that you're doing here in Cork. Nice to talk to you this morning. Nice to talk to you, and thanks for this opportunity. And we love to forward the right message for any time through your life. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. A five-day getaway. A city that never sleeps. A homegrown superstar. And you. Grab your passport and get ready to play. 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 Because we'll reveal all Tuesday at 8.15 a.m. On Cork's 96FM. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Cork's vibrant LGBTQ plus community have taken it upon themselves to set up a whole host of queer clubs and groups to encourage more gay and trans people to get involved in sport by giving them a safe space. Cork Bio reporter Joe Costigan is here to tell us more. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And I hope you're looking forward to the bank holiday. Although I would imagine, judging by how busy Cork Bio is, you'll probably be working right across the weekend, will you? It tends to go that way, all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, and and congratulations to uh, the other Joe as well, and to all the team there. It's a, it's a great service. Tell me a little bit about this this whole concept. Yeah, so this is an article that I worked on last week because I was talking to some friends of mine who are gay, and they were talking about how they wanted to get involved in sport, and I was kind of saying to them, you know, there's the first one that came to mind to me was the Cork Hellhounds, the gay rugby team, and they didn't know what existed at all, and I kind of realised people don't realise that these options are out there. So I went and I had a look around on Sporting Pride and the Cork Gay Project who do amazing work. And I found that there are actually loads of different queer sports clubs in Cork that, you know, some of them are very social, some of them are more competitive, and then some of them give you the option to do it. But, I mean, we have rugby, soccer, badminton, running, loads of different types of sports for, for queer people to get involved in. And, and what has been the reaction? Like, it, 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 I, I, has it drawn a, a huge interest? It has, and there's been a, diff- a mix of reactions. You know, some of them, some of the slightly more negative reactions might come from an innocent place. You know, some people are genuinely asking, why, why do queer people need to have a different rugby team? Why can't they, why can't they mix in with, with uh, cis-het people? And, you know, sometimes that's coming from a place of good faith and genuine curiosity. And I feel like people just don't necessarily understand that having a safe space for queer people who may not have had the nicest experience with sports as children or as teenagers to come in and just enjoy it in a way that they can feel comfortable is really, really important. Now, for the most part, people have been very supportive of it. People think it's great. You know, they've been sharing it around. And I'd like to think, you know, it might drive a few more people to to sign up and get involved. Are attitudes changing? I think they are. I definitely think they are. I like to think that they are anyway. I think there's definitely a rise in transphobia, 
around the place, which is why a lot of these sports are pushing to make sure it's not only inclusive of people of all sexualities, but also of all gender identities. Because I think definitely over in Britain, there's certainly a rise in transphobia and that's kind of creeping its way over here a bit. So I think having kind of positive spaces like this in the community are going to be definitely a key to, to helping keep that down. I, I still hear comments in relation to, you know, the Cork Pride Parade and that from people who say, why, why, why do gay people, why do LGBTQ plus community people want to have their own parade? But, but I, I think maybe you could answer that for me. Yeah, well, I suppose it's, it is something to be proud of. You know, if you look at the history of, of gay and trans people all across the world, the fact that we have um, so many rights now and we've come so far is because of, of protesting and because of fighting. And that's what Pride started as. It's now, it's a celebration and it's a parade. But it started off internationally as a protest. And I think that is a history that, you know, we can be proud of. Here in Ireland, we celebrate the 1916 Rising and stuff like that. So I mm. think the queer community, we celebrate our history of, of fighting for our rights. And yeah, I think and, that's and where p- that comes from. Particularly the whole decriminalisation business, which took years to actually drive through. Definitely, that was only in the 90s. Yeah. Until the 90s, it was illegal to be gay in Ireland. And I think a lot of people don't actually realise how recent that is because since we were, you know, the first country to pass same-sex marriage by popular vote, people think that we have always, you know, been champions of this, but we haven't. It's no. really been something that's come on leaps and bounds. And it's because of organisers and people who are involved in these sports clubs who have always kind of fought for, for visibility, not just for, for rights. Mm. And of course, David Norris then, who spearheaded that whole campaign and finally drove it through in the end. I remember listening to him on television talking about how life was not too long before the, the decriminalisation became law. And, and the, the, the attitude generally, but also the fact that you could go to prison for being gay. Yeah, it's, it's ludicrous. And I mean, the work of people like David Norris and everybody who was involved in that campaign, their legacy is the childhood that I had, because I'm only 21, so I wasn't, I wasn't born when it was still legal to be gay. So I grew up kind of having that safety, and everybody in my generation did. And that's thanks to the work that people did before me. So now I think it's kind of my generation's job to kind of keep pushing forward, um, promoting visibility and promoting kind of alternative ways for queer people to kind of organise and get involved. Because I think historically it's been a lot to do with nightlife because it was driven underground. And don't get me wrong, we have an amazing queer nightlife scene here in Cork, some really, really talented performers. But this is kind of a night. These sports clubs are a nice way to get people involved uh, in a way that's active, in a way that's alcohol-free. And, you know, it can be competitive, non-competitive. It's kind of up to each individual player what they want to do with it. Someone listening this morning thinking, this is a great idea. Where, where, where can they go for more information? If you go to corkbo.ie, we have an article on that website. And it's five LGBTQ plus sports clubs who are making uh, sports uh, a safe space for queer people in Cork. Grant. Have a great weekend, Joe. Great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. You too. Uh, Joe Costigan there from Cork. We'll stay with this topic in a couple of moments' time. Now, uh, you're listening to The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Gareth O'Callaghan here. PJ's back after the bank holiday break 
on Tuesday morning at nine. In relation to phasing religion out of schools, a lot of texts and a lot of calls. Uh, Ray and Bantry says, Gareth, absolutely, it shouldn't be in schools. What has religion got to do with education? My daughter's in first class and does not do religion class in school and will be the only one not getting communion. I have two children, both not baptised. They can choose their religion if they wish when they are older. It needs to start with people not baptising their child stroke children as this just feeds it. That's from Ray in Bantry. And uh, another very complimentary text here saying, uh, this is from Ange, says, I could listen to Gareth all day describing how paint dries on the wall. Well, you know, I, I do know a little bit about most things, but I know nothing about how paint dries. But now that you've suggested it, I will go and look it up. Question number 10. A zorse is the offspring of what two animals? Is yep. it a brown a horse? Final answer? Yeah. All right. The correct answer is a horse and a zebra. Yeah! have just bagged 2,000 euro. Lad, I swear I'm nearly tempted to quit my job. <laughs> are, are we allowed to ask you what you do for a living now? Yeah, I work in the Central Statistics Office. The latest Lad, statistic so we happy. have on the show is you've taken it to 152,000 euro. Douche. Well, thank now. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. <laughs> 96 FM. Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ this morning. As somebody saying watching paint dry is like watching jelly settle. I remember my grandmother who was from uh, around the tower area near Blarney um, and she used to make the most wonderful trifle. I don't know whether she put cherry in it. Jimmy Horgan says, Gareth, for God's sake, what's a mullet? <laughs> I thought it was a fish. It is a fish, Jimmy, but it's not a fish that you wear in your head. A mullet is a hairstyle uh, revered by many and ridiculed by most from way, way back in the days of Nick Kershaw, Paul Young, Spando Ballet, and if the names don't mean any sense, well, they're worth looking up and their music's worth listening to. And, uh, of course, don't forget that Wayne plays music of the 80s here on 96FM every uh, Sunday morning from 6 until 8. Well worth listening to. Now, yesterday's call, this is uh, from Shirley. On opting out of religion made me feel so sad. I have faith. And when my dad was dying, our faith brought us through. It makes me so sad to think people are turning away from the church. That's from Shirley. Now, Peter Roberts, morning to you. Good morning, uh, Peter is a member of Cork Rebels. Cork Rebels is a football team set up in Cork aimed at the LGBT community. Uh, focuses on, am I right in thinking, fun, football, fitness, through new friendships and sporting events? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, I love them one. In, 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 in one there, that's basically this is what we do. So we have a mixture of both um, so the social side and a competitive side. So again, you know, it's like floor levels, and basically, as as you say, that's that's what a is that what you describe as is what a club is about. Yeah, Joe was talking just before Mumford and Sons there about the, this is a kind of a flourishing thing. It's beginning to really you know grow legs and 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 spread its wings, isn't it? Absolutely, I mean, it was great to see the Ashton Joe and Alan Cork be able to see you know all the the number of clubs that that are now um, set up in Cork. You know, like it is a community, and it's great to see you know. That community, that community grow mm. with the many different sports, you know, for different, you know, everybody's different interests. So there's a there's a good there's a good choice. Yeah, there's something big happening in Glasgow in June, isn't there? 
Well, for, for us, um, hopefully we've only got the notification about it recently. Um, so we are hoping to, we did now last year um, in London, to travel over to the to the UK to take part in, well, basically it's a, a, a mini tournament in Glasgow where teams all over in the UK and Ireland will come, you know, um, they play tournament to short 10-minute matches. Like it's a whole, it's a whole weekend. So, you know, we, we 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 play football, but it's also a bit of a social and things well, and we just meet other you know other clubs from all over. Mm-hmm. So it's a big mass event, and you know something that we you know that we we're looking forward to. And in addition to what we're doing, obviously at home, at home as well. But it's nice to have something something <laughs> something different and something to look forward to. And I'm sure it'll appeal to a lot of people listening this morning. Can, can anyone get involved? With us, absolutely. So, like I say, we have so we we um, essentially play and train twice a week. So we we kind of split in two. So we have a side what we call a competitive side, essentially. But it is people who play football and you know to the competitive side. And then on a Saturday, we have it's basically a social event. So that's basically just a more of a relaxed social kickabout. Yeah. We normally then go for maybe a coffee or something afterwards. You know, yeah. just sit down and relax. So you know, we case so that's on a Saturday afternoon. Um, so we gave us both, and you know, it's anyone's welcome to come um, to come along to to either you know stop us a a message or an email in advance on our social channels. Um, you know, we can give you we can give people all the details. But yeah, I'm anyone's absolutely welcome. Or if they want any questions or anything before they come along, you know, stop us a message and email. We're happy to answer any questions. Let people know more about the club and the sport. You don't need any special skill levels. Whether you can play football or whether you can't. Mm. No, and we'll, it, we'll teach you. Is it just LGBTQ, or can 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 everybody join in? No, we do. We have a, 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 a diverse mix. We have some allies who play with us as well. So you know, it's <laughs> predominantly for the community. But again, you know, it is it's open and it is you know we are inclusive and diverse. Now. Are you there? No, yeah. I think. Oh, Hello. you're you're still there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, I thought we'd lost you there for a minute, John. On a, on a, a kind of a much b- sort of bigger topic, um, is is the gay community? Does it feel safer now than it did in in recent years? Uh, I would. I yes, I, w- I would think so. Do you think I like to think that? Well, you know, it has come. Yeah. Um, a very, very, a very long way. I mean, we, we, <laughs> one is obviously you know the marriage referendum. I still think you know. <laughs> that we did that on your public folks was, you know, a massive achievement. And I think it has absolutely it's 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 come a long way. Yeah. Um the clubs do exist, you know, to provide, you know, a safe space as well because understandably, you know, people are in, in the community they could be at different di- you know, different stages um in their life where they are. So, you know, the clubs provide um, you know, a safe space but there's also a side of it as well. Yeah. I tell you why I ask you, and that's because I'm I'm always very conscious when um, I remember a time, and and it's not too long ago when um, I, I was on chat show radio, um, and and to have a conversation like this so publicly and so friendly and so frankly would have been shunned. The the number of complaints that would have come in would have been uh, like uh, un- unbelievable. But yet now. We're talking about this as we should be talking about it, uh, like we talk about the rugby over the weekend, and that is the way it should be, isn't it? No, absolutely. I mean, it is. There is. We have come a long way. There's a long way to go. But you know, it's nice that we can actually, you know, that we can talk about it. Mm. You know, basically, and 
the people, you know, will just have an understanding and it's, you know, it does, yeah, talking about it just to help people, mm. you know, un- understand basically, you know, this was the history, you know, oh, well, why clubs like this are set up, you know, and there's a lot of history there. Mm. And it's like, you know, now that basically is, you know, basically people can talk about it quite, you know, quite, quite comfortably. Yeah. And how many people are in Cork Rebels? Oh, uh, there's a, there's a good number of us. So, um, we've yeah, over 20, uh, about 25 people. Now that can, that can vary depending if people, you know, they wouldn't be every, every week. But um, we've got some, you know, some new members as well. And, you know, so it's understandable some people might move away with. So it does, it does change. But that's roughly what we have. Um, again, it's between competitive and social. So we welcome some new members, you know, past couple months, which is, which is great. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of getting back now to, you know, to, to basically to, to our games. Obviously hoping to do maybe a competitive league in Cork this year. Hoping to meet some of the other clubs from around Ireland. So, you know, between with our members, the more members we have, I suppose the more we, the more we can do. Absolutely. Well, good luck in Glasgow in June, and it's great to chat to you, Joe. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Bye-bye. thanks a lot. Thank you. Friday morning, uh, we've got a couple of topics coming up after the 11 o'clock news. PJ back on Tuesday. I've just time to tell you a story, and this is something that it's been on my mind all week. I was in Dublin, Houston railway station, waiting to get the train home to Cork last Sunday. And I was due to get on the midday train and a uh, lovely comfortable train, not very busy. Uh, nice time to listen to a bit of music or just to chill out and watch the beautiful scenery. It was a nice day. And as you'll know, the concourse in Houston Station in Dublin, if you use the train regularly, it can be frantic. People are of all ages uh, trying to pick up a cup of coffee, checking their phones, looking at the board, trying to figure out which platform their train is leaving from for all over the country. And it can, you know, you really can feel your heart beating and you're trying to get on the train so that no one sits down in your seat and uh, you're checking, have you got your bags? But last Sunday, something stopped me in my tracks. And I think it's fair to say when I looked around, there were at least 100, 150 people absolutely rooted to the ground. There's a piano in the corner of the Dublin-Houston railway station and the staff encourage people who can play the piano to come and play it because obviously music is very soothing and it calms you down. And I heard this beautiful playing and I looked over and there was a young girl, I'd say she was no older than seven years of age. Seven, okay? So small her feet didn't touch the ground when she was sitting on the piano chair. And she was playing from sheet music. She was playing ragtime. She was playing classical. There was Brahms. There was uh, uh, Ionaudi. There was Beethoven. And then she did a little bit of Lily Allen, Somewhere Only We Know. And I looked around and for the first time ever, and it's something I'll never forget. I don't know who she is or where she came from. Like a little angel. The whole place was just stopped. And everybody in awe. And everybody smiling and chatting to each other. And for the first time, I just didn't want the train to be on time. I was happy to actually just stand there and watch and listen and admire the music and her talents for a little while longer. And the reason I mentioned it this morning is perhaps she lives in Cork and perhaps she was with her mum or dad or her gran or granddad. And if they're listening today, it was one of those moments that I will remember for the rest of my life. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM.
Friday morning, the start of the brand new February bank holiday weekend and good morning to you if you have anything planned or you're just chilling out, there's lots happening here over the weekend and of course we've got uh, the big rugby start this weekend as well more on that later during the news and sport and some more on mullets and some more on phasing out religion in schools to come before 12. Now, uh, Ken Smollen is a poverty campaigner who has received a distressing email from a family in Blarney who wished to remain anonymous. And Ken is on the line now. Morning to you, Ken. Good morning, Gareth. Ken, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to read out a little bit of the email just to give our listeners an opportunity just to see the, the, the situation, to see life for this family as it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the, and I'll, I'll read it as, as I have it here. Hi, Ken. I'm so embarrassed texting you this message, but I am desperate. My name is... XXXX. I'm living in Blarney, County Cork, renting privately as my landlord won't accept HAP. My rent is 750 a month for a two-bed house. I have been struggling for a while now, but this month is the worst. My rent is due tomorrow, so I will have to go out without food for me and the kids in order to keep a roof over our heads. The house is so damp and cold, but it's all I can get and all I can afford at the present. I'm actually sitting here crying my eyes out writing this message to you. I don't want people knowing my name, as I have never been as embarrassed as I am right now. I feel like a complete failure to my kids knowing they're hungry and I can't feed them. I'm attaching pictures of one of the small bedrooms to show the damp conditions we live in. It needs extra heating to heat which means more debt from me. Sorry for ranting on. If you could point me in the direction of anyone who could help us, I would be forever grateful. I would like to remain anonymous, please. My heart broke when I read this, Ken, and I'm sure one of the things that struck me, apart from the sheer helplessness that this man feels, the fact that he feels so embarrassed actually writing to you, is, is this quite common? It was that, that was actually a lady, Garrett. And right. um, when you say is this common, um, in the meantime, I'd say I have received maybe five, maybe six very distressing emails of a similar nature um, or messages because I get messages either on WhatsApp or on text message or on, on Facebook, on Messenger and, and emails as well. Um, now I get requests for, for help from food that, you know, that there are simply basically requests that, please, Ken, can you help me? We have no food in the house or we have three children or four children or whatever. But um, a lot of them are very distressing. And these are happening every single day, Gareth, from all around the country. And um, it's from people from all walks of life. In 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 the last... Four or five months in particular, um, a lot of nurses and, and healthcare staff, um, nurses and, and supporting staff in the hospitals have also contacted me um, in relation to they're experiencing food poverty and heating poverty as well. They, they have to make a choice between heating their homes or feeding themselves and their families. Now, there's a huge amount of women, especially purposely going hungry one day a week, two days a week, or even three days a week, eating nothing, maybe drinking tea and nothing else, because that's all they have there. They're trying to make sure that their children have something to eat, that they're not going to bed hungry, or that they're going to school and that they're not hungry. There are so many children out there who are going to school hungry, and children will always be very loyal to their parents, because embarrassment 
forces parents to ask their children not to tell anybody that they got nothing to eat. Now, some teachers are very good in the schools and they will try to keep an eye on kids. And they will ask children, you know, are you okay for something? And the, the, the child will say, no, I got something to eat this morning, even though they may not have got anything to eat from the previous day. Um, it's a shocking situation out there, Gareth. It's 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 really the new pandemic, or whether when I say it's a new pandemic, it's one that's there. I've been doing this since the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. I was a member of Angarashi Akana. I retired in 2012, and I knew at that stage I could see myself from visiting families that a lot of families were in a bad condition and in a bad situation, and much of it stemmed from the financial crash of more than a decade ago now where people are going without food just to keep the roof over their heads. And the the, the recent rise in the, the cost of living, um, the, the huge rise in rents and the mortgage uh, interest rates going up, that has put awful pressure on people. So many thousands of people are going without the basics and will never, ever look for help because of fears of embarrassment or, or shame or, or, or loss of pride or whatever. They don't want anybody to know. And that's actually happening with some um, couples as well. We'll say women will not really tell their partners if they're going without food. Um, It's a very hidden crisis and nothing has been done about it. But it is growing. And my biggest fear would be what will people in a situation like this resort to? Unfortunately, 11 people uh, over the last two years that I, that I visit with, with supplies of food, 11 families have suffered the loss of someone through suicide. And um, that, you know, it, it, there's awful pressure on people. And, you know, seven of those 11 uh, people were, were women that took their own lives, all young women with young children. Um, it, it's, it's affecting every county. Like... We have 1,238, sorry, 1,200, I was looking at the numbers this morning, 1,243 families on our list now. But I know by this evening, I'll I'll have another two or three maybe. Now, some days, nobody will contact me. No new person will contact me asking for help. But there are days when five or six different families contact me asking for help. We can only really cover, I, I cover County Offaly and our surrounding counties of Westmeath and Leash and, and some of Galway and Tipperary and, and some of Kildare as well and the likes of Roscommon and even into Longford. But thankfully we have teams set up now, two different teams set up in County Leash, a team in Westmeath in Athlone and um, a team in Longford as well, trying to get to these people because a lot of it we have to get the trust of these people. We have to ensure confidentiality because if people are, are, are embarrassed, well, they won't want to talk to anybody. Many people will not want to talk to the local charity, the well-known charity that's all around the country, simply because there's local volunteers yeah. working in these places and that they're afraid that people will talk. Um, and that's why since 2016, I simply guarantee 
that, that everything will be totally confidential to these people. Not even the people who help me to pack bags, to collect food. To, to uh, I'm the only one that delivers it. No, there's another gentleman that delivers it with me as well. But we have to guarantee total confidentiality. Nobody that packs bags knows exactly where I go with that food. Mm. And that's the way I have to keep it because we have to find these people. There are so many children. There's hundreds of thousands. And people get it hard to believe this. Um, I was contacted by the grandson son of a former Minister for Health, Dr. Noel Brown. Um, his name is Glenn Carraher. Um, he was involved in research in NUIG back in 2018. And he told me that the figures I was working from, which came from research in 2013, were wrong. Because the original figures I was working from was from research done by two trade unions, Unite and Mandate, which said there were 600,000 people on the island of Ireland that didn't have enough food to eat. He told me two years ago that that it was in excess of 750,000 that they found. But he contacted me recently and said, Ken, I don't know whether we have reached it or gone above it, but we're at the million mark. A million? Yeah, and there there are only 6.5 million people on this island, approximately. Now, that does include the, the, the six counties in the north. But yeah. if we're talking about six and a half million, there's a million people going without adequate supplies of food every day. And nothing has been said or done about that. Um, you know, and, and if the government admitted that, they'd be admitting to abject failure. Because the basic, you know, the most basic necessity for people is that you have something to eat and that children have something to eat. And half of those numbers, at least half, is children going without uh, adequate supplies of food. That's shameful. As young as, young as Ken? Th- oh, babies. Babies. Babies, yeah. My you God. know, um, no, thankfully I, I work with them. I can't deal with baby food or baby clothes. A lot of people are very generous and they offer different things. I can't deal with baby food and formula and clothes. Mm. Um, but I do work closely with an organization called Gianna Care and they help mothers, babies and young children with food and clothes. So if I come across a family that needs help like that, I will contact Gianna Care, um, of course, with the permission of the family concerned. And they will then look after that family um, that, that has babies. Ken, stay where you are. I just want to let everyone know there, there's a, been a huge response to this in the last eight or nine minutes. We're getting a lot of calls from Blarney residents who want to help this family. So we will come back to that. Katrina Toomey at Cork Penny Dinners is on. Morning to you, Katrina. Morning, how are you? I'm I'm well. I'm shocked. I I really really am. Um, mm-hmm. And in in another way, I'm partly not shocked. And I'm sure. I think what probably shocks you is that the last ten days have been the toughest ever. Am I right in thinking that? Absolutely. And you know, we we had Christmas, and a lot of people would think that everything comes on up at Christmas. Like the Russian people are worried about stuff, but it's after Christmas. And this year. The cost of living has impacted after Christmas for so many more families. So our numbers have increased at the minute. We have lads on the road now delivering hampers. And, uh, you know, I, I know Ken, I spoke to Ken on the phone before and he helped a family out of the country for us. And we did the same for him down here. So, like, if anybody knows of any family that's hungry, they can contact us. We will go there and we will respond to those calls. So there is no need for anyone to be worried, embarrassed, and the same for us. We're very confidential in what we do. 
like you know we, we don't even have to ask them their name like you know they'll give us a name people think that maybe they might have to spill their guts to us like if they're looking for hampers and stuff but they don't you know if they're short of food they're short of food we accept it we understand it and we'll do something to help and at the minute like we're we're serving over 1,000 dinners every day and we're giving out over 1,000 survival bags which is extra food for people to, to to have throughout the day and the evening time so that they don't go hungry and they've water and juice and fruit and all of that so we try to take everything into consideration and we sit we plan and, and we just get to it and we do it you know we're we're grafters we work hard but what we're seeing is that the dynamic has changed we have people who were once okay who were once you know are in their own home they're worried now about being evicted from their own home because their mortgage is crippling them their rents are crippling them you have people working one job two jobs and they're still being crippled and they're being backed into a corner and again you know what happens when, when when that happens? Our suicide rates increase very shortly. You'll see, you know, Cork City missing persons out searching, you know, for people. This is the way it happens. And it's a pattern, but it's one that we keep talking about and one that we keep saying and one that the government is totally ignoring. If one person loses their life as a result of just not having enough money to, to pay their rent or pay their mortgage or to buy food for their families, it's it's way it's one too many. Mental health has gone out of control in this country. It's hurting not just the individual that it's hurting, but it's hurting whole families. And then if they happen to lose somebody, uh, you can imagine the, the, the fallout from that for, forever. So again, we have a lot of things to look at. We have a lot of things to work on. And this is what the government should be doing. We're identifying them and we're asking and pleading with them to help the people that need the help. Just put a stop to what's going on. Put a, you know, like they're encouraging people to, 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 to look, at, look at all the businesses that are closing down. Yeah. Look at the restaurants, look at the pubs, look at the hairdressers. Oh, when I walk up, Patrick, when I walk up Patrick Street, it's, it's becoming more just abandoned and derelict but almost by the week. Yeah. Absolutely. And Dave, there are they are people then who have exhausted their savings and trying to keep their business open. And then when they finally have to close it, they're left with such nothing. And can you imagine their poor state of mind? Can you imagine their heart, their blood, sweat and tears? Can you imagine all of that? They have so much to deal with in their heads on top of the fact that they probably now have no money because of what's after happening to them and they've no income at all. And then they have to prove that the, the business went bust. They have to go and submit form after form, interview after interview, and they have to go and do all of that to try and get something coming into their home. Yeah, and they need it today, not in four weeks' time. Our, our month's time, do you know, a couple of months' time, yeah. because that's what actually happens to people. So th- then you're there, and then take a look then, like, we'll just take, for example, a couple that have a business, and then they have to close it. Look at the fallout for them uh, in their home. Their children w- will be without, you know, they won't be able to lead the life that they had been living, which might have been just comfortable, but they were okay, they were getting by. So everything for everybody then in that household or in that composition just changes. There's usually not just an individual affected by a close of business. The family are affected too. 
Yeah. And then the suppliers are affected, and and then the suppliers then are losing somebody else, and another business, uh, you know, that they deliver to. So it is a ripple effect, but that ripple now is turning into a tsunami. It's like a cloak spreading over the country, and it, it's growing, and growing, and people are just suffering too much. We don't have to have it, you know. We we don't have to put up with it. We need to. All of us need to tell the government. Oh, let's get this right, like, and stop it. Well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's fair and it's true to say Fine Gael have a, an appalling track record in relation to this sort of a situation, and, and that goes back decades. But now Fine Foil, and you've got to remember the two biggest parties in, in, in the country are, mm-hmm. are now deciding on what should and should not happen. For example, we were promised €200 Euro for our electricity this month or last month, but the, 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 the ESB now comes to the conclusion that they only owe the household 50 euro. Yes. Why, why, why can't the energy companies face up to this and say, if we change the way we're dealing with things at the minute, we can absorb the losses here. We can. But the, the people using the energy can't absorb. They can't. They can, and what, what, you know, people were getting 200 euros, mm. but they're getting bills of five and 600, yeah. which take the 200 off, will leave you 400 of a bill that you still owe. And maybe prior to all these increases and, 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 and all of this stuff, you might have only been paying 160, 170 a week. Yeah. So you're left with a bill of 400 or whatever figure it is. So you're still paying over the mark on what you can afford. So the 200 is just, it's lost at sea, really. It goes nowhere. Only And then the, the irony of the whole lot of it is that everybody getting the 200 means the people that are putting up these prices are getting it as well. Ken, th- so, th- th- this tidal wave of anxiety that Katrina's talking about here, is, is this what's causing people, it, it, is the anxiety freezing them to the point where they can't actually engage you know in in the sense that they're so afraid to come forward to ask for help they are so afraid to ask for help Gareth because um, you know when people look for help from certain charitable organisations they send people out to evaluate or to assess a family's level of poverty now I have no idea how you would assess a family's level of poverty I asked that particular charity, that question, and they couldn't give me an answer to that, how they do that. And then they send the information for a meeting, which possibly takes place the following week, before a decision is made to help that family. Now, I think that's disgraceful. If a family contacts me today, um, and if they're brave enough to contact me today asking for help with food, I do my very best to try and get help to them on that day. Because they're not ringing me to tell me that they're going to be hungry uh, next week or the week after. If a family's contacting me, it means they're already there. And that's why we have what we call family rescue teams. If you are in, in whatever country and there's an earthquake and there's some people trapped under rubble, you rescue them. You don't ask them where they were going, what they were doing. You just rescue them. Mm-hmm. You talk later if necessary. And that's what we do. We rescue families from this, this, this poverty because they're hungry if they're, they're contacting us today. Um, but last night on, on, on RTE, it was, the, you know, the, they gave the figures of families in mortgage distress. And at the height of the recession or the, 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 when, when the, the financial crash came, there were 100,000 mortgages in distress. There are still 
60,000 mortgages in distress in this country. And if you, you know, looking at Focus Ireland, if they say the average family is four people, well, then you're talking about 242 to 250,000 people that are affected by that. Most of those families are actually paying every single cent that they can just to keep the banks off their backs, just to stay out of the courts. And, you know, and that's where I actually came across this, um, found that there was food poverty out there, that people were actually experiencing food poverty. It was in these repossession courts. I used to go to just support people because they were going to these courts. Um, they were going in where barristers and judges were uh, and, and everyone else were going around in their black cloaks. It's a very intimidating yeah. place. And I remember that from my time on Garda Siakana, going to these courts. I was well used to going into courts. But these people were going into these places, probably never having set foot in a court before. And they were being treated like criminals mm. for something that really wasn't their fault because they were forced to pay, you know, from job losses to job or to wage cuts to extra taxes, extra levies and extra charges. Everyone lost a lot of money. These people simply could not keep up their mortgage repayments on top of trying to repay the banks and bondholders and developers and speculators' debts as well. And we still have that, Gareth. That hasn't gone away. That is still here. But people are going hungry because they feel embarrassed about their situation. They're made to feel alone, and they're not alone. There are hundreds of thousands, and as I said, possibly a million people in this situation in this country, but you will never, ever hear any of that been spoken about in Leinster House. That, that just, it just does not exist, because if they did admit that it existed, then they'd be admitting to failure. So why are we tolerating the, the, the current government? It, it's almost like as if we just let them get on with what they're doing we, we and we suffer. A, you know, I know it's the Sinn Féin. There are no it, leaders it, it, here, by the way. No, the, Sinn Féin no. is, is the, the only opposition that's there now. But back years ago, we had Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael sniping at each other when one was in opposition, when the other was in government. That doesn't happen now. We have a static government that's mm. doing nothing, going nowhere. They're spending crazy money on crazy uh, things. You know, they're, they're spending millions on footpaths, on walkways, on cycleways, on arts theatres. Now, I know that people need entertainment, but Jesus, we, we need to get our priorities right. And our priorities in this country are far from right. Now, mm. we, we, we know that there are people homeless right now at the moment. In, in Offaly, um, for instance, because I'm a county councillor in Offaly as well, um, the intention between 2022 and 2026 is to build 463 social housing units. Right now, in Offaly, officially, between HAP and between people on the social housing list, there are 1,200 uh, families on the social housing list. Now, the income threshold was risen from 25,000 to 30,000 only at the beginning of this year, yeah. which means there will po possibly be 1,400 families, maybe 1,500 families. So therefore, there is no intention of finding a home for approximately 1,000 families in Offaly until after 2026. 
What are these people supposed to do? Where are they supposed to go? You have children living, um, sleeping in sleeping bags in the homes of, of friends, neighbours uh, and, and other family members. But nothing has been really done about this. The government will talk about it and trying to, 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 to do something about this situation. But that's all it is, is talk. A lot then, of money has been sorry, if I, if I could just Go ahead, Katrina, yes. We talk, the government talk a lot about task forces. We are the task forces, like say Ken and myself and other people around, that know exactly what's happening. We've got our finger on the pulse, and maybe it's about time that they brought us in. Yeah, but is, isn't it a case of they know that you're there and you're doing your incredible work, so their attitude is, well, you'll, we'll just let them get on with it. Yeah, and that's, you see, it's not working. It hasn't worked for many, many years. And it's just getting worse and worse. Every area that the government seemed to delve into, besides the cycle lanes and stuff like that, are not successful. You so, see, Katrina, I, 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 I would say that, that um, the first thing that has to be done is that this problem has to be acknowledged. Because a problem cannot be solved if it's not admitted to. This government will not admit that there is a problem like this, that food, no. that, that food poverty is affecting hundreds of thousands of people in Ireland. It cannot be solved if they don't actually stand up and admit that it exists. Mm-hmm. And, and you're both agreeing that the last 10 days have been very tough. And this is the first time, I think, in, in, very, very, in, very in my living memory. Because usually when we, when we get to the third week of January, things tend to start to improve. But it's getting worse. So what will the next 10 days be like? It's going to grow. And what what the government must realise as well, that all the volunteers that are working on the ground doing stuff like this are very, very hurt by what they come across, what they see, the people that they're helping. You know, we're only human as well. But we and we keep pleading, and our pleas fall in deaf ears. I, I I think they really must listen to the people that are crying out to them. They must listen to the to the volunteers on the ground, to to, to the other charities that are saying it's not working. Let's do something about it. But we we as we cannot do anything about it. We can ask the government to do something about it. But us asking and them not doing is getting the people that need this help nowhere. Yeah. So we have to have a solution and we need it now and we need it straight away. As Ken said, if somebody is hungry, they don't have to, they shouldn't have to wait a week for it to be fed. And it's worth mentioning here as well that your volunteers, many of whom could be literally just as it were, on the brink of something similar. I mean, they're, they're ordinary citizens and human beings and they can relate to exactly to what's going on in these, ho- yeah. in these homes. And we, we, must, we must remember yeah. that in the blink of an eye, a person's life could change. There could yeah. be a death in the family. There could be an illness in the family. That, uh, like, it's not just all down to, you know, that can impoverish that family. Mm. So, uh, things uh, unemployment, you know, they could lose a job, a business could close, and that could be the end of that for them. So, uh, it, lots of things contribute to, uh, to a person's hardship. It's not just defined by one thing. But what is clearly the message that's clearly out there is too many people are now hurting and too many people are going without food okay. and and some people are very very afraid to come forward they don't know how to do it how to approach it and i agree with ken on that completely they're they're just torn apart on the inside mm. and please you know? please if you're in this situation this morning come forward because th- that will, first of all, th- th- the anxiety will ease 
you'll know you have positive confidential support and things will improve but if if people stay in that state of anxiousness that awful wave of anxiety nothing's mm-hmm. going to change no nothing will change for them and the anxiety will grow and grow we do just say to people look my number is 0851201742 anybody wants to ring and, and we do get to people like Ken said if not that day the following day we try to get there but we have so many calls you know that it takes us all day maybe even night time at Christmas we were going up to 11, 12 o'clock at night mm-hmm. just trying to get to everybody and you know you're looking at a huge amount of people we don't just have five or six people in the corner that's hurting we have people in every city in every town in every village all across the country that are hurting and the government will have to take notice they, they were elected to look after protect and mind its people and that's what they should yeah. be doing well unfortunately people would have said a couple of years ago that's a joke but it's gone beyond a joke now and whatever they yeah. decide to do is is, is uh, I, th- I think people have given up generally on believing in their local politicians mm-hmm. uh, th- that would be my, my belief Yeah, it, Katrina thank you for taking time out to talk to us this morning and I'll repeat that number it's 085-120-1742 and uh, Ken Smolin lovely to talk to you too Ken and uh, you too and t- thank you very much Gareth and I, I, I'll just give you my mobile number too, and I, I do ask people to actually send a text if possible because mm-hmm. when I'm out on the road I just can't answer the phone or when yeah. I'm packing bags but I ask people to send a text to me on 085-1432-898 and it doesn't matter what part of the country is we'll find somebody to get to you yeah okay thank you on, the, on that note Ken Smolin uh, poverty campaigner and that was based there on uh, an email Ken received from a family in Blarney and as I mentioned we're getting a lot of calls from Blarney residents who want to help this family but we're now getting even more calls from around Cork City and Cork County so uh, we'll, we'll follow up on that Ken's number is 085-1432-898 and Katrina Toomey Cork Penny Dinners Katrina's number is 085-120-1742. We commenced the programme this morning talking about uh, the fact that it's going to be the women of Ireland, Nana Heron, that will eventually see us through safely and save the day. We started off as an all-female writing group in the cabin. This is our next feature this morning, and they're a wonderful couple of girls. They're on the phone to me right now, and they're from Mishnach. Sophie, good morning to you. Good morning. And Roisin, Hello. Hi there. Now, if you could just come a little closer to your phone, Roisin. Sophie, um, St. Bridget's weekend, St. Bridget has always been associated with, you know, empowering the woman. And Mishnach is writing songs with a view to encouraging creativity and passion and self-confidence. Isn't that what, what, what you're doing? Yeah. So we like write songs to talk about women and female empowerment. Um, it's mainly to inspire younger girls like in our area that like it's okay to be themselves and it's okay to be a woman like you can be confident in your femininity. Do you think it's more difficult being a teenage girl these days? Oh 100% like you're constantly seeing like people on social media and like you're just thinking to yourself like I wish that was me you know? Yeah in terms of of looks and you know body shape and and that and and uh, you know, when you consider, I, I think back to when I was 17, it's, it was pretty much a much more straightforward life back then, but it's it's a pretty difficult path to follow at the moment for teenagers, would you agree? 
Oh, 100%. So tell me about the music you're writing. You came together this time last year. Yeah, so we started making songs in around January-ish of last year, but we had actually wanted to start this project back in, I think, about August of 2021 uh, because the Cork Camogie team got into the finals Mm -hmm. and the boys had already written a song about the men's team. And so we really wanted to show our support for the girls' team too, but due to lack of funding, we couldn't. So we got the funding from... Uh, St. Patrick's Fest and TikTok Creative Fund and then we were able to put a project together and we made three different songs about female empowerment and like even just sitting there and writing these and all working together it was just so, so empowering as a woman. Roisin, how many of you are in the group? So Mishnock is made up of 16 singer-songwriters from the age of 15 to 18 mm-hmm. uh, and we basically, yeah, as Sophie said we just write about female empowerment up in the cabin in Nocknahini. Um and up here basically it's just a way of young people being able to express themselves through music, singing, songwriting, poetry, rap. It sounds like exactly as it used to be back in the days of St. Bridget, which I don't remember, but certainly she was that type of woman, wasn't she? Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I'm going to. I'm, I'm look, really looking forward to this. I, I heard it this morning before we came on at nine o'clock, but we're going to play it for everybody else. This is one of the songs you've written, uh, Sophie, and it's called "Shine Through." And just tell me quickly, what's the, what's the gist of the song? What's it about? So all three songs kind of had a different meaning, but specifically "Shine Through" is about not being afraid to be a woman. Don't be afraid to be yourself, and don't let anybody tell you what you can and cannot do. Great. Well, it's lovely to talk to you and have a lovely weekend, Sophie. Thank you, Roisin. Thank you. Take care, you guys. Thanks. Uh, this is Mishnock and Shine Through. Top, top, elevate 
today, we gon' celebrate it. Stay motivated, we educated, so elegant, intelligent in my elements. Tell the world about it. Love yourself, don't you hesitate. Let the people see the love resonate. Don't know if you have heard, we run, run the world. Think we're weak, don't be absurd. Expand your mind, your judgment's blurred. Call it out, take a stand, see your privilege. Do it for your sisters and mothers and just start listening. I'm alright with him. That's real new world music. Shine through. It's a song about uplifting other women and being yourself without letting people dictate who you are. What a message. That's from uh, Cork girl band Mishnock and lovely to chat to Sophie and Roisin. Now we've got a quick break coming up. I'm going to come back to that uh, very, very upsetting situation. Uh, That particular woman who uh, emailed... Ken Smollin there from Blarney. So many people calling us and emailing us and texting us looking to help. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Gareth O'Callaghan with you this Friday morning. Huge reaction to uh, that email that that, uh, that I read out to you earlier on from a woman in Blarney and uh, she wishes to remain anonymous and I can fully respect that. Just to give you an idea of what the gist of the email was, she says, I've been struggling for a while now but this month is the worst. My rent's 750 a month for a two-bed house. It's due tomorrow so I'll have to go without food for me and the kids in order to keep a roof over their heads. The house is so damp and cold but it's all I can get and all I can afford at present. I'm actually sitting here crying my eyes out writing this message. I don't want people knowing my name as I've never been as embarrassed as I am right now. I mentioned that we've had a load of calls from um, very, very kind and generous listeners this morning wishing to reach out and help uh, and we'll get through as many of those and we'll get back to you as quickly as we can. We had a call from Blarney resident Liz who wants to liaise with Ken Smolin, who we were talking to, and Katrina Toomey also was there from Penny Dinners, uh, and arrange a food drop-off for this family at one of the local shopping centres in Blarney. We'll pass Ken's details on to Liz after the show, and we'll get this family sorted in the short term, at least. Dara, good morning to you. How are you? I'm fine. I'm I'm shocked in in one sense, but as I said to Ken and Katrina earlier, in another, I'm not, because we... To, to call this a crisis is to, I suppose, it's an understatement. As Katrina said, it's now become a tsunami. And you were yeah. listening to the email about that lady in Blarney who struggled. I was, yeah. Um, what what can you do? Because I know you want to do something. Well, yeah, like being a member of the Blarney community, it's absolutely heartbreaking still hearing that story. Like, So we have farmers in the family, like, so we get a lot of beef or next to nothing so we have a freezer full of beef at home so I'd love to donate whatever I could to help there was steaks burgers mints whatever there's loads there well that's very very kind of you and we'll certainly on behalf of this family take you up on the very kind offer um, are you surprised by that Daryl when you when you heard the email were you surprised by it do you know like you, you know this kind of stuff goes on like but when you hear someone who's local in Blarney like 
So it kind of it kind of gets you a bit more. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I I know Blarney so well. My 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 grandmother. That's where she where she grew up with her family many many years back, and yeah. it has retained its community spirit. But uh, what, thing, yeah. what I find so distressing is to think that. And these, it's it's worth mentioning here. These people are not homeless. They're not um, out of work. They're they're working as hard as they possibly can. But their problem is that the bills have just literally toppled and come down on top of them. And uh, the, the the anxiety has just frozen their their view of life and and how to deal with things. Um, and we're getting more calls similar to that email as well. So I, I mean, Darren, just as someone who like myself, you're a punter in life. How do you think this could be sorted? Have you given that any thought? Well, like, it's, it's the cost of living, like, the bills, gas, electric bills, all that has gone up. Food has gone up and everything, like, so, I don't know, like, unless the government steps in, helps whatever way they can, and I suppose the landlord, if he would accept our hat, that would that would help so much. Yeah. And the, the, the whole idea I mentioned earlier as well about the energy companies, they could well absorb what they claim to be the costs of Absolutely, rising yeah. energy, the, the, the charges. Um, but they're not doing anything about it. No, that's it's terrible. Like. Just, I'm, I'm curious to know, coming from a farming family, um, like farmers have always said that life working on a farm is never easy. And I know people would say, you know, there's no such thing as a poor farmer, which I completely disagree with. I know quite a few who oh, yeah, are, well, yeah. are, are on the bread line. And, and I, I'm just wondering, how, how has life changed in recent times, considering this energy crisis and the cost of living crisis, for someone who's grown up on a farm down through the generations? Are, are you finding it difficult too? Well, like, it's, let's see, the thing is that the cost of milk has gone up. So the farmers are making a bit more money on the milk, milk side of things. But farmers who are just doing beef, they're finding it a lot harder now right. than before. So, Okay. Have a great weekend, Dara. Thank you so much for taking for, for, for giving us a call. We'll, Absolutely, we'll, no problem. We'll be back on to you very, very shortly. And as I say, we, um, we'll get in touch with Ken and we'll also get in touch with Katrina. Uh, another text here says, I would agree with you that the government should be helping more people who need support and also businesses that uh, need help too. Uh, as Katrina Toomey outlined, people are suffering uh, uh, silently with poverty and mental health too. That's from Edward. Thank you for your text. Uh, and also, thank you to so many of you who got through to us. Just before I go this morning, um, best of luck to Eric Morgan from Dunup Moor in County Cork who's representing Buing School in the Monster Swimming Gala competition in the University of Limerick UL tomorrow, Saturday 4th. Been the only competitor from Buing Primary School. We would like to wish him the very best tomorrow from Mom, Dad and Brother Dean. And can I also just, uh, on a personal note, I hope you don't mind, um, we had ordered some little gifts during the I think a couple of weeks back, and uh, unfortunately the the gifts went missing in the post. So I just want to say a special hello to Aoife Teal from Paw to Paper, who's an incredible artist. Uh, have a look at her website, Paw to Paper. But she very kindly, uh, when we let her know that the gifts we had paid for had gone missing, it doesn't look as if we're going to get them back at this stage or, or have them delivered. She very kindly said she was going to push some of her work out and uh, she would redo the uh, the art images as well. So that was so kind of you. Thank you for listening. I've really enjoyed being here with you. Uh, I'm sure at some stage over the next couple of months we will be uh, in each other's company again. 
Thanks for listening and contributing this week. Our show today was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And thanks, as as always, to uh, Wayne, who uh, steered the desk very, very comfortably and capably this morning. PJ's back on Tuesday. Have yourselves a wonderful St. Bridget's Festival and a great bank holiday weekend. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.